up, everyone, and welcome back to the Millennial Introvert Lifestyle with me, your host, the resident millennial introvert. It's Yolanda. So tell me, people, how have you guys been in the last two weeks since I've seen you? The last episode we dropped was obviously the networking episode and i had so much so much so much feedback off that episode it was amazing so many of you guys actually reached out to me and said how much you appreciated jen telling you all the ins and outs of getting your network popping and how to start reaching out making connections and stuff and how you were scared to do that and how you didn't know about the ins and outs of that side of the industry and growing your career so thank you very much for the feedback on that episode um we're gonna we've got two more episodes of the season and shortly i'll be introducing you to this week's guest where we'll be talking about something special this is going to be a fab fab episode i'm sure but yeah i just wanted to say a quick thank you guys for all of the feedback that you gave me on last week's episode we've been growing quite nicely and building a nice momentum so it's all about you guys and the support that you give and i can't say thank you enough but before we get into this episode, let me know in the comments how you guys have been, what you've been up to. For me, it's just been the grind, you know, the uh, the website launched the day before the last episode went out, which I told you guys about in that episode with Jen. And it's been so great to have it finally done and free, the millennialintrovertlifestyle.com. It's there, it's there for all of us to go see. I've got the courses up. Um, to make sure you check that out and let me know what you think. Your feedback would be greatly appreciated. It's been like a, a labor of love to try and get that from start to finish. And if you've ever gone through the process of getting your own business up and running, then you know it's hard work, but it's out there, it's up, it's growing. So make sure you check out the millionlyspreadlifestyle.com. And I've also got all of the other social media now as well, because I was lagging on that a bit, but you can find me on all of the other social media too for the Million Introvert Lifestyle. There's a Facebook page, there's a LinkedIn page. I've, I've always been on Instagram, you've got that. I'm even on Pinterest, so I've covered you guys across the board for the Millennial Introvert Lifestyle. So make sure you go and check it out. So <clears throat> moving swiftly into the content for this week, because like I said before, this is going to be a goodie because, oh my gosh, wait till you see my guest for this week. I'm always hyped, hyped about my guests, but this week I'm telling you guys, it's going to be good. Um, we've got one of the best young female entrepreneurs I've had the pleasure to meet in a long time on the show today guys when i tell you she inspired me from the get-go that i had to like wrangle my way in there to make sure i could work with her <laughs> as soon as we like made the introduction she'll tell you i'll ask her to tell you about how we met as well later on but yeah she is the uh ceo of multiple businesses okay this girl's got multiple swag going on um she's running multiple companies even got a non-profit where she's teaching the likes of you and I, how to be confident in business, how to get themselves onto that ladder happening as well. And she's doing it for free because it's a nonprofit. Her insight and talent in this industry is insane. So it was only right that for the Women in Leadership episode of the show that I bring you Maggie Chen. Welcome to the show, Maggie. Hey. <laughs> Hello. Welcome, welcome. How's it going? It's good, thanks you. 
I'm good, I'm good. So the people, of course, will want to know who you are and how we know each other. So I'm going to give, let you have the pleasure of giving them that information and backstory into how we met and then tell the people a bit more about yourself as well. Well, we met through our positions at the engagement board, uh, previously known as the youth board of the Cheshire and Warrington LEP, yep. which <laughs> has been a very interesting journey in itself. I mean, I thought I was signing up to kind of get my foot through the door of public policy, but so far it's been kind of jumping very much into the world of bureaucracy. <laughs> <laughs> And very, very long email chains. Mm, yep, yep, definitely agree. <laughs> I'm really keen to see how this goes because it is a very interesting um, place to be now. Mm. And also kind of, I, I see it as my window into the adult world in a way. Oh, because, yes. <laughs> because this is how like the world actually works. Because I think from my own perspective of entering into the real world in inverted commas it's being in a way not real because mm -hmm. it's in the entrepreneurship bubble mm -hmm. and in the entrepreneurship bubble things work slightly differently to how the kind of public sector works which in a way is what the lep is even though it's not fully public sector mm -hmm. so yeah it's been a very interesting journey and that's how we met yeah <laughs> So yeah, Maggie is the co-chair of that LEP as well, of the, the LEP, nope, the youth board, that, the engagement board that we're both sitting on as well. So very involved. So tell the people a bit more about your background and all of these amazing business businesses that you've got that have inspired me so much. Go on, don't be shy. <laughs> well, I always tell people that I do a series of seemingly unconnected things. Mm -hmm. So I started my first company when I was in the first year of my undergrad, so a few years ago, and that business is called Shut Up and Dance, which is a dancewear and fashion company, and to this day it still is running pretty much by itself now. Um, and then during my master's degree, I launched my second company called uh, Oxice Education mm -hmm. And we aim to bridge the gap between the Chinese and British education systems mm -hmm. um, through summer schools, as well as through connecting institutions to create uh, new programs for students. So that's also been really interesting because I was born in China. I lived there till I was eight, but then I moved to the UK. So in a way, it's like a company that bridges the things I missed in China, oh, yeah. uh, the things that I really enjoyed in the UK. So mm -hmm. that's been a really fun journey. Um, but for some reason, during my master's year, I decided I wasn't busy enough. And this was when I was at literally like three months into studying at Oxford, which people would normally think is busy, um, which I did before I went as well. And that's why I put like everything else, all my other projects on hold. Mm -hmm. And once I got there, I realized Oxford isn't quite what I thought it would be. And I actually had so much more time than anticipated. Yeah. And instead of studying, I decided to one, launch Oxize, and then two, um, which was like three weeks later, launch Girls in Charge. <laughs> <laughs> which, I mean, it was, I love it. It was a 
great idea in terms of time management, but it was really fun. And I really like, I don't regret it at all. Because so I, what I say about Maggie making boss moves, two whole <laughs> new companies in the space of three weeks. Come on. Yeah. Sorry, interrupted. Go on. <laughs> I think like girls in charge is the one thing I really think I did right. So mm -hmm. the companies like, They've been fun. I've learned so, so much through my journey. Um, mm -hmm. I've also made a lot of blunders throughout the whole thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I continue to learn every single day through these businesses. But Girls in Charge is that thing that ties together my passion for kind of just creating chaos and coming up with crazy ideas, but also helping people as well. And with Girls in Charge, I wanted to do something different mm -hmm. and fun. And uh, my co-founder and I actually met through Facebook on a Facebook group, which uh -huh. is like a whole crazy story in itself. And we decided that um, through our conversation that young women don't consider entrepreneurship because they don't have the confidence to even consider it. Like even entrepreneurship as a concept is scary that's a direct quote. Mm. And so the first point of getting more women into entrepreneurship is to increase their confidence and then give them the skills to kind of tackle it. Mm -hmm. So girls in charge combines um, this element of building confidence and entrepreneurial skills through games. Uh, so it's all very silly, very fun and very informal. And through this kind of very chilled atmosphere, you get to meet new people, you get to build your network and you get to build your skills and confidence. So it all kind of rounds up and brings everything I do together. And it was so perfect that when I heard about it, I was like, I need to get in on this. <laughs> so I slid in Maggie's DMs and I was like, hey, what you talking about that girl's in charge? Uh, you, need, you need an extra person there, you know, what you gonna do? And uh, Maggie was like, yes, we actually do. And now that's how I do PR for girls in charge. Hey. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and the rest is history. Yeah. Yep. So I'm actually, yeah, uh, the PR director for girls in charge, which has been fun. We're working out how we're going to grow and uh, making some slight blunders as we go along, but it's all fun. <laughs> oh gosh, the digital age. <laughs> I know. <laughs> to proofread or not to proofread, that is the question. <laughs> I mean, if, if anyone takes anything away from this podcast, it is to proofread all of your emails before hitting send, especially if you're sending to 30 people. Yeah, exactly. You can never proofread enough. 100%. So yeah, that, that's the bonus uh, advice for you outside of lead. Yeah, great leaders proofread everything. <laughs> is what we're trying to tell you. <laughs> so speaking of leaders, this is a nice segue for me to dip into the topic of this uh, episode. So you should already see already that we're talking about leadership today. And what we're going to talk to you about is how to step into your power and how to be a leader, especially as women in the workplace. Like we tend to shy away so much from, well, not me and not Maggie, but, <laughs> but women. <laughs> if we put women as a monolith, you would be forgiven for, you know, <laughs> you know, say making that sweeping generalization that women tend to 
be seen as stepping away from that light and that uh, want to take the reins or they don't quite know how to do it without the negative backlash that seems to always come to us when we do try and step into that light and into that uh, space. So this episode, we're going to talk about leadership and why it's important and how you can step into your leadership light. So of course, this podcast is for our ladies. So let me give you some stats about women in leadership. And it's going to shock you first of all. So Women are just 5% of Fortune 500 CEOs, okay? And that was down from a record high of 6% in 2017. And then when you actually dig into that and you look into disparities between diversity and inclusion, it makes me want to (laughs) cry. Basically, like, it's ridiculous. And women are only 7% of the top executives in the Fortune 100 companies currently. So it's insane. And you want to think that this is all, that's just that type of industry. If we move away from that, it will be different. No, women accounted for just 18% of all the directors, executive producers, producers, writers, cinematographers, and editors who worked on the top grossing 250 films of 2017 y'all insane (laughs) like that is ridiculous statistics and let's put the cream on top of that iced coffee that i just created for y'all is women have outnumbered men at university since 1988 okay (laughs) like we've earned at least one third of all law degrees since 1980 we accounted for one third of medical stu- medical school students by 1990. Yet, as soon as you try and look into those upper echelons and those upper ranks, we never seem to make it that far. So, why is that? Like, why are we stuck at like 20% in the medical field of like executive officers and stuff like that, which is actually the highest, one of the highest across other uh, industries? Like that's ridiculous to me that we're not stepping into the we're not being allowed to step in and be fruitful in leadership roles like that's insane and upsetting so throughout this episode we're going to talk about that first of all and then we're gonna i'm gonna ask maggie a few questions as well and from that we'll hopefully be able to break it down for you uh and give you an idea of how leadership is currently looking for women and maybe give you some tools that will help you step into your own leadership and help break these numbers up and give us better numbers in 2021. Mm. So firstly, I want to get your reaction, Maggie, to that bit of statistics that I've just given out there. Like, it's not shocking to me, but how do you feel knowing that women are just not allowed to lead? It's, It's horrendous. And also, to add to your stats, like the re- one of the main reasons we started Girls in Charge was because I was so involved in the startup bubble. Mm-hmm. And what I noticed was every time I go to an accelerator program, every time I go to a pitching competition, every time I do something related to entrepreneurship, I am likely to be one of the very few women there. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes just the only woman there. Whilst that is really good in the sense that I can make an impression and everyone will remember me, um, it, it does feel very isolating. Yeah. And 
to kind of look into the stats of entrepreneurship as well, only around 9% of all funding go to female-led businesses. Mm. Like this huge funding gap is ridiculous. So I think there is just a massive, massive gap um, in terms of women in leadership roles, in terms of women just being super successful. Mm -hmm. And it is shocking. And I think that is one of the main drivers for us to keep Girls in Charge going. Because even though, you know, Girls in Charge has been running for over a year and we have made a tiny bit of difference, like there is still so much, so much more we can do. And yeah. I think I won't be happy until we've done that. Yeah. <laughs> until we've conquered the world with yeah. our <laughs> Girls in Charge. Yeah. <laughs> yes, until girls are in charge. Perfect. I love it. So kicking into leadership definition then, what does it mean to you to be a leader and then segue into what your qualities are for a good leader i think the term leader is so ambiguous like what are you leading right you can lead a country you can lead a company you can lead a department or mm. you can even lead i don't know um a book club something <laughs> like that you know like yeah. the, the size of the thing that you're leading varies very much uh and so i think there are definitely things that connect great leaders. So like there are qualities that make a good leader. Mm. And I think those qualities make people drawn to them. I recently read a BBC article on leadership, actually, mm. um, by the makers of a series called CEO Secrets. And so they noted there are two different types of leaders. They're the founders and the CEOs. Mm. So the founders are the people who have grown their team. They came up with an idea and they just like, they're the entrepreneurs, they're the risk takers. Um, and so when they run up to them at a conference or whatever and ask for an interview, they mm. don't hesitate. They're happy to do an interview on the spot and they're very extroverted. They don't care if they make mistakes. They just, you know, go with the flow. Mm -hmm. Whereas when they've approached CEOs, so those who have climbed the corporate ladder to get to where they are, mm -hmm. they are very often rejected for on-the-spot interviews and asked to schedule interviews. And it shows like the different personalities. Mm -hmm. So the CEOs are more careful, they're more research-driven, and they want time to prepare. Mm -hmm. So less risk there. And so obviously these are two kind of fairly different types of people. Um, but um, to give you an example, I have two women who are super, super amazing and who I consider mentors. Mm -hmm. Claire Davenport, who is the CEO of Not On The High Street, mm -hmm. and Lou Cordwell, who is the founder of Magnetic North. Mm -hmm. So as you can tell, one is a CEO and one is a founder. Yeah. Quite different styles, but they are both really, really genuine, empathetic, and supportive. Mm. And so to me, what makes a great leader is that great leaders build people up. They make people believe that they can do anything or at least fulfill their potential. And they make people, you know, reach higher. And so I think that is one of the most important qualities of a great leader. Definitely. It's like to... Um compound that as well so i'm reading a book called rebel ideas by uh matthew saeed and that's all about um the importance of 
diversity and inclusion in your teams of thought, not just necessarily about the um, the regular identifiers of like race, sex, yada, 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 but just generally of diversity of thought. And he was talking about prestige versus hierarchy and leadership. I think it probably mirrors what you were saying about CEO versus founder. And he found that uh, leaders who are there just for who people respect just out of hierarchy tend to not generate as great ideas as leaders who have earned respect through prestige mm. of just leading the, of living their life in a way that people want to follow. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's something that really made me stop and think like, okay, so I would probably, I want to be a prestige leader where people just see how I live, how I interact with people, how I succeed. And then they're like, right, I want to follow her because I see how things are working out for her rather than to just be slotted in somewhere and then people just want to follow me because they want the next promotion and they just, you know, compound my ideas because I'm the top of the, the ladder or whichever it is. And then you don't really get to move in, you know, in any sort of progressive way because you're missing out on great ideas people are hiding because they don't want to potentially disagree with you or upset you or that kind of that kind of thing so I think that press that prestige leadership if you can find it whether it's CEO or founder I think that's the core of what for me would be a good leader is just someone that people naturally want to respect and follow Mm -hmm. So you want to be a good leader, but not a supreme leader in the North Korean state. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, a, a little benign dictatorship isn't out of reach. But, <laughs> <laughs> but for now, just, just a prestige leader is fine. It's fine. <laughs> That'll do. So um, then what, do, what, if any, do you think are the differences between a leader and no that's not the question what does it mean to be a female leader um i think this is a really interesting question in a sense because obviously like research has shown that people find it more difficult to be a female leader because you have that added layer of being female Mm. and this extra kind of i don't know little thing in the back of your mind that saying that you know you need to be a boss without Mm. being bossy because that's kind of the image women have been associated with and you don't want to be seen as hysterical blah 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 Mm -hmm. and so i think possibly that a main difference for being a female leader is that perhaps you need to pay a little bit more attention to being empathetic and to building up your personal image Mm -hmm. but I also think that this is something everyone should be starting off needing to pay attention to. (laughs) You don't want to be a horrible person. Like if you are, you know, paying attention to being empathetic, listening to people and just being a decent human being, then surely more people want to be on your side. And so, to me, I think, yes, this is what the research has found, but, um, men really should do this as well. Um, I think the the thing here in terms of being a woman mm-hmm. is perhaps it's a little bit more difficult to find the balance um, in terms mm-hmm. of being boss 
and in terms of being, I don't know, a good listener and being a friend in a way. Um, so yeah, I mean, being a female leader, it's an interesting one, especially looking at it in a 2020 COVID pandemic sense, mm -hmm. because it's clear that the women-led countries have done quite a bit better than the male-led countries. And exactly. I think empathy has been a very big player in terms of how they lead. And I think that's probably what I would say is what it means to be a female leader is that people try and strip away the stereotypical connotations of femininity out of women and make it a negative to their leadership. Whereas I think you can find that those stereotypical attributes of femininity actually, like you said, make such an impact in the way that we think uh, and process stuff. Because uh, like you just said, the female-led countries in COVID, they're killing less of their people. <laughs> so <laughs> we got to trust that women just know a little bit more about some stuff and we just think a little bit differently than men. I mean, where was it? Uh, Switzerland. So I was reading a study uh, about Switzerland and they've got snow, I think it's like 109 days of the year, something like that, out of the year. So they're always on those. So consistently, they have to have a program of road clearing um, every morning. And it was down to what they did a study in one city, in one state. I can't remember which one, but they did it. And they were looking at how they decided which parts of the road to clear first so it was either to clear the road for the cars first the pedestrians or the cyclists and what order they would do it so they would clear the road for the cars and the vehicles first then they would clear for the cyclists and then they would clear for the pedestrians last and that's how they'd done it for years and years and years and years and years and that decision was made by a board of 10 men that sat on this board and figured out that concept of how they were going to do that and then they introduced a woman into the board and they had to then again the next year everyone has to decide how they were going to do it and the woman was like well why are we doing the roads first when most of the accidents due to snow and ice happen to the pedestrians uh so and everyone was like say what <laughs> and what they found out was that the men tended to be the ones so it was like something like 60 percent of the vehicle uh vehicle users were the males in the family who drove their cars to work and didn't have a concept of the females who had to take public transport and have like buggies to push through the snow or cyclists trying to ride through the snow and that they didn't have that conceptualization of how much more dangerous it was for pedestrians and cyclists versus them who tended to be mostly in the cars and they realized that after they did some research that the money that they saved by so they actually ended up saving money because they found out that the amount of six sick days they lost every year due to pedestrian uh, injuries caused by them, them not clear, clearing the roads early enough for them in the mornings was actually so much more outweighed what it cost to rejig the system of clearing the roads for them first so it made so much more sense just after one woman came into that room of 10 men to say listen y'all are a little bit slow <laughs> <laughs> like, 
you gotta think that's not in the box. <laughs> yeah, like, hello, my name is so and so, and just to let you know, y'all know this. <laughs> I probably, <laughs> probably not her the first thing that she said, but you know. So women coming into uh, leadership and just being given a voice tends to make so much more of an impact and a. Uh, and gives your return on investment so much more quickly than just not listening to us. It's been proven time and time again, so I don't know why they're not listening in mass. Come on. <laughs> like, what, what more do you want from us? <laughs> so to sort of swing around on that question, that question a little bit more, do you think there's a difference between male and female leadership? I think that's probably too general a question. I mean, you gave a great illustration there in terms of men's experiences and women's mm -hmm. experiences. But I think we should be careful not to just group it all as one thing. Yeah. I think the experience varies from person to person. And, you know, we're all shaped by our own experiences. So it's really difficult to judge, like, is there a difference between this gender and this gender? It's like, trying to judge differences between races. Um, obviously, statistically, there is a difference. There are way, way more men <laughs> who are leaders than women. Um, so clearly, something's going on there. But yeah, I think in terms of male and female leadership, from mm. a personal perspective, most of the time, it's being a similar experience like a fairly equal nice experience um there have been a couple of men that i've worked with who have been fairly aggressive and fairly pushy and mm. i would not work with them ever again but, <laughs> <laughs> but obviously like i think probably you know over the next 20 30 years i'm gonna bump into women who are like that too mm. So I think it's more down to like a personality level than a gender level. Okay, yeah. So you wouldn't stereotype like men lead this way, women lead this way. As far as you can see, it literally comes down to a solo, singular, one-on-one, -on -one, you know, assessment of each leader. I think for me that works well because I don't want to kind of stereotype people before I work with them. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's good to keep an open mind. I mean, you can't have a generalization of how men and women would work. Um, yeah. I think t women tend to be slightly more detail oriented, but given like we have a team of women and we, pr we even proofread some of our emails, <laughs> mistakes. So, <laughs> so it does come down to individuals as well. Um, but yeah, I, I try my best to not stereotype. Okay. So there you go, guys. That's another tip just off the money there. Don't be stereotyping just based on gender, okay? Men can lead just as well. It's just we've got to be in the room to show that we can lead just as well, too. Yeah. I like that. Okay. <laughs> so then how can young women, as far as you can see, begin to position themselves and show themselves as leaders? Um, I think the first step is to believe that they can become leaders. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, like having that confidence is a great first step um, because the lack of confidence among young women is a serious issue. Even like not, not young women, but like grown up women as well. Yeah. Um, 
it, it is a real issue. And so I think the first step is to believe that you can mm -hmm. and then start to take small steps towards that. So for example, taking on smaller leadership responsibilities, you know, mm -hmm. At the beginning, I was talking about leading a country or leading a book club yeah. as if they're on the same playing field. But like you have to start somewhere. Mm. So if you're still at university, then, you know, join the committee of some university societies, eventually taking on the president role or something like that. If you're out of university, there's still hobby clubs, you know, start yeah, to you know, mm -hmm. and start taking on some of these leadership roles, whether it's literally just like event organizing or whatever, you'll realize that there is a lot more to event organization than just booking a room and setting up a Facebook page. Yeah. You have to talk to people. You have to build up your people skills there. And I think it's that people skills that is so important for becoming a leader. Mm. If you can't deal with people, you won't make a great leader no <laughs> unless you inherit the position and you know no one's going to challenge you <laughs> and uh so so i mean that's not going to happen most likely yeah. so it's about you know building up those skills and as well as i think for women especially mm -hmm. because we're detail oriented we want to be sure that we can actually do it mm -hmm. um building up your skills in terms of just communication but also um you know being able to do most of the jobs within an organization is mm -hmm. going to be really useful if you know just a tiny bit about a specific thing mm -hmm. um, for example marketing and then you can talk to the people in marketing a lot better than if you just go with no knowledge yeah so what I would recommend is starting a side hustle when you're kind of at university or in your job because mm -hmm. When you start a side hustle, you will try and save money. And to save money, you will have to do everything yourself. And so you get to learn bits of every single job within an organization. Mm -hmm, and definitely. you build up the skills, you build up the experience, and you never know, you might even build up your network through this. And this whole side hustle might open up new opportunities. So that's kind of my two cents on how to start and take the first few steps into becoming a leader but to mm -hmm. me like i even now i i wouldn't say i am a leader i think i'm probably like a trainee leader <laughs> <laughs> he's so <laughs> modest guys no <laughs> still, still like learning <laughs> no no i i think you got it on luck i believe in you as a leader <laughs> thank you thank you you're welcome you know okay so next question would be what part do men have to play, if any, in bridging the gap across the board for women in leadership positions? I mean, I think men have a very significant role to play. Um, it's not just a problem that is, you know, affecting women because men still are the majority of decision makers. So in terms of changing policy, they have a huge role to play. But also I think men have a kind of really interesting role in terms of encouraging women. Mm. Um, because I, a friend of mine was speaking to me and she was saying that there's this amazing colleague who is kind of on the fence about putting her name forward for a promotion. Mm -hmm. And so all the women she worked with, 
encouraged her, you know, telling her, you're amazing, you do a superb job, you can definitely get this promotion. But she didn't believe them. She, she took their word for half the value it was worth and uh -huh. just thought, they're women supporting women, this is what women are supposed to do. Okay, yeah. And it took one male colleague to say, you do a great job, go for that promotion. For her to actually put her name Before, through, yeah. and she got the promotion. Wow, so, see? I think like men have this amazing ability in a way to encourage their female counterparts to try and reach for the highest kind of role they can get. And because men's, in this case, the man's opinion was worth more than the women's, which in a way is what we're trying to get rid of. I know, but, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're getting paid uh, 79p for every pound anyway so it, it's only, it goes to reason that we would also believe 79% of our opinion versus the 100% of the man's but I digress go on Maggie <laughs> I, mean, I think that that's just a great example to show some of the tiny things that men can do to change the whole dynamics mm -hmm. of the workplace and you know, it's just a simple thing. Obviously don't give compliments when you don't mean it because that can come across very, very patronizing. Mm -hmm. But when you do genuinely mean it, I think you know, having that compliment, having that you can do it is going to make all the difference. Definitely, it's like even um, to expand on that, uh, Alexis Ohanian, Reddit co-founder, like during the tidal wave of the Black Lives Matter movement that was happening, it's still happening, but when it was peaking with George Floyd, um, he stepped away from his board position to vacate a seat so that, well, he just said any person of color should get it instead. But I think that's, that, should have an, that should have a ripple effect for men to start thinking like, I'm taking up a seat where like I should be was the word self-sacrificing enough to give up a position so that a woman who's been denied it for bs reasons should be able to step into this instead i think men need to sort of look at what they are giving and what their actual worth is in, in these boards and stuff as well and say actually you know what i can afford to sacrifice this board seat because i hold four other seats you know in four other corporations doing some other stuff so let me give this one up so that a woman could at least step into it and maybe do 10 times of a job than i did or even if it's the same job but you know just to see how that goes then i think that's something that men need to start understanding that it's also they also have a part to play in this mm. too I think it like the next 10 to 20 years will be so interesting to just see how the board dynamic changes mm -hmm. because obviously the generation who are currently board, um, you know, CEOs of fortune 500 companies, um, we, we've talked about having like that 5% of women there, mm -hmm. but when those women were our age in their twenties, like societal gender roles were so much like the norm that, mm -hmm made climbing the corporate ladder so much more difficult mm -hmm. and you know also they lacked role models but now we have that five percent of the female ceos there as mm -hmm. role models for us 
and we have more flexible working, we have better maternity and paternity provisions, uh, more women are getting hired. Mm -hmm. And so it'll be so interesting to see what happens to the kind of senior level management over the ne next 10 to 20 years. And with COVID going on, yeah. we've all switched to working from home. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that might be the answer to this kind of boys club uh, that goes on in a workplace. If there is no clubhouse, how can you have a boys club, right? Yeah, um, exactly. mm -hmm. We're but, dismantling it. Yeah. <laughs> Digital working is going to be another challenge for leaders, actually, because if you think about it, if it's led right, there can be a much nicer, friendlier, supportive culture within a company. Mm -hmm. If it's led poorly, then you know people are just going to be dropping off. They're not going to be feel. They're not going to be feeling engaged in the company, in the company culture, and they might choose to leave. Though probably not in this economic climate. But I think um, digital working is going to be a really fascinating research perspective over the next five years. Definitely. And I'm very intrigued to see how that plays out. <laughs> and in, in whose favor. Okay, so let's talk Girls in Charge a bit more. I know the top of the episode, we give a bit of background on what Girls in Charge is and what we do at Girls in Charge. So I've told you guys, I handle PR for Girls in Charge and Maggie is the co-founder. So with Girls in Charge then, how do you feel that's positioned you to build future le female leaders? I think the thing that we've spoken about a lot during this episode is mm. confidence. Mm. And that is what Girls in Charge was built for. It's built for confidence and built for experience. Mm. Because through the games, even without you knowing, we're trying to help you build your confidence. So for example, we have a whole workshop on body language where mm. we get you to do the most stupid, stupid stuff where you're repeating movie lines in really weird kind of poses. But in the end, you realize that your body language has such a huge impact on the way you speak, on mm. the way you project yourself. And you know, you've done all this by having fun. And so that is one aspect of what Girls in Charge does. But the second aspect, the more nuanced aspect perhaps, is that we provide this platform for student leaders. So mm. we mostly di didn't run the workshops ourselves. Um, this academic year is slightly different because of COVID and going online. But previously, Girls in Charge trained student leaders to lead the workshops. Mm -hmm. And so they got this experience that I lacked at university where, mm. you know, we needed to learn to speak publicly. We needed to learn how to lead. And we get told that we learn this through class. But the closest we get to it is to do a five minute presentation on 19th century French literature, which is what I did. And <laughs> no one was listening. And so that is not public speaking. No. That is speaking to a wall with some people they're playing on their phones. <laughs> exactly. But with the Girls in Charge workshops, having the student leaders to present a whole workshop is a challenge in itself. Mm. It pushes them to prepare, to 
take up everything they've learned about body language and everything they're about to teach about body language um, to put it into practice. And so that is why I'm so in love with the concept of girls in charge, because mm -hmm. not only does it provide confidence to all of those involved, it provides a platform for women to build the skills and build the experience that mm -hmm. we need to even get, get our foot through the door of an internship these, these days. Mm -hmm. And it, ha it provides this absolutely amazing network of women with each other. And so once they start getting into the workplace, think about it. We started it um, in December 2018. The first workshop was in March 2019. Give it a couple of years. The women who came to our first workshops would be in the first, second year of their first jobs mm -hmm. or of launching their businesses. And think about how amazing that network is going to be. Exactly. And so that's why I think Girls in Charge has to continue. And that's what drives me to make it bigger and bigger. I love that. I love that. I can't wait. So then if all the stars align for Girls in Charge, what is your end vision for the nonprofit? I try not to have end visions uh, because, okay. because if you're planning so far ahead, like something along the way is not going to go the way you imagine it to go mm -hmm. but sometimes it works out way better so in the more short term we yeah. are testing digital this academic year mm -hmm. so our workshops are going online which presents its own challenges in terms of how do we play games online but also it opens up this amazing opportunity to take on so many more societies so many more universities and so we can build a much bigger network of young women and to connect young women from across the world whilst helping them build their confidence and skills. Mm -hmm. And I think what Girls in Charge really is interesting for, especially for the team who works on it, is that it creates this platform for us as well for testing quirky, crazy ideas. And, you know, we might even get some spin outs from it because we are very entrepreneurial at heart. Merch, um, merch, merch. <laughs> exactly. Um, we're bringing out merchandise over the next few months um, from really awesome backpacks with USB chargers mm -hmm. to sassy t shirts um, that we love. Guys, you're going to have it all. Just wait. Just <laughs> wait. Mm -hmm. It'll be so good. This is all kind of to test our creativity and build something that we love as well. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, in terms of how I see Girls in Charge progressing, yeah. I would really love for it to become a registered charity because mm -hmm. we've put so much hard work into it. I don't want it to be seen as like a business. I want oh, yeah. it to be seen as the organization that it is mm -hmm. and getting that charity status is just going to be the cherry on top of the cupcake. Nice. <laughs> so, you know, um, that is where I'm seeing this moving towards. I love that. I love that. That's so good. Okay. So final question then it would, it wouldn't be right if we didn't tell the people then who were your top female inspirations in leadership. So you do um, yours and I'll do mine. I'm going to have two and I've actually mentioned the two before. So oh. they're the mentors I talked about, Lou Cordwell of Magnetic North and mm -hmm. Claire Davenport of Not on the High Street. Okay. Um, 
So Lou was kind of my first window into the grown-up world without my parents. Okay. I met her in the second year of uni when I was on an accelerator program and she was like assigned to me as my mentor. Okay. Um, kind of connected by email and they were like, Maggie, do whatever you want with this connection. Mm -hmm. And so when I was first meeting Lou, I was so nervous mm -hmm. because she's worked with all these big names in media and in business. Like she is an absolutely amazing entrepreneur. And I thought she'd agree to meet me because, you know, she felt she had to. And it's like this idea of giving back to society in inverted commas, um, in, ter in terms of like a branding exercise kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so I really didn't know how this first meeting was going to go. But when I went to her offices, like it ended up being such a friendly, supportive meeting. Like, ah was so lovely and she offered advice on how I could develop my business and offered help um, where I needed it and she literally asked how can I help you what can I do to you know help you to build this, this business up um, so that was absolutely amazing but the actual moment where I thought I want to be like her mm -hmm. was when she was on a panel for this event and this event was in the evening after work so when everyone arrived there were cocktails yeah. and snacks and it was lovely um but obviously being a panelist all the other panelists were super dressed up like really formal drinking water because even though the cocktails looked amazing they were going to be you know on stage they had to keep their persona in the zone if you like but Lou rocks up in like the everyday outfit, um, rocking her trainers. And then she was like, oh, these cocktails look good. Starts in the cocktails. And when the panel begins, she just rocks up holding her cocktail whilst everyone else was still sipping their water. <laughs> it was just so cool on stage. Like the contrast in that panel, like, you look at her being herself versus everyone being the molds that they thought they had to be. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, oh my gosh, she's so cool. Mm -hmm. And she didn't hold back in the panel. She says what she thinks. And, you know, she actually made other panelists open up about themselves because their answers at the beginning were very reserved and very saying the things that they think they should say. Mm -hmm. Whereas Lou just said whatever was coming to her head and saying what she truly believed. Yeah. And that was so refreshing. So at that moment, I was like, I want to be like her. And then a couple of years on, this was during my master's year, I met Claire at a pitching competition. So I was pitching, she was judging, and we didn't win. So afterwards, I went to ask her for feedback. Mm -hmm. but she was in a rush or like at least I thought she was pretending to be in a rush yeah and I'm like um wait um could we grab a coffee sometime if you're free and she was still in a rush so she was like oh just add me on LinkedIn and drop me a message usually when people say that it's like they want to get rid of you and yeah. they're just not going to talk to you after that mm -hmm. anyway I went home I messaged her anyway um, just to see what happens, even though my expectations weren't high. Yeah. To my surprise, she agreed. Nice. And generally, a coffee means like a 30-minute chat. Um, but we ended up actually having a one-and-a-half-hour chat, which nice. only ended because...
because I was already late to the next meeting. Oh my gosh. And so like we That's had amazing. so much to talk about. Yeah. And at the time, you know, G Girls in Charge had just been going for a month-ish and it was growing way faster than expected. I was kind of puzzled to like what to do next. And so Claire talked me through and I guess quizzed me through what I wanted it to be and how would everything fit within my life plans. Yeah. And so after like 30, 40 minutes of doing this, she just goes, yeah, your plans will change. So just like don't plan too much, which is why I don't plan too much now. Oh, you know sorry, what? I like that. Where do I see girls in charge being like as an end goal? I don't have an end goal now. Mm -hmm. I just like go at one step at a time, see what happens. Planning maybe three steps ahead. Yeah. Just in but I am always prepared for things to change. And I think that is something really amazing to have in the back of your mind. Mm -hmm. And so ever since I met Lou and Claire, like they've been so, so supportive of everything I've been doing. Mm -hmm. And even though I don't communicate the, with them a lot, yeah. um, mostly because I'm like really scared of harassing them when they're busy. Mm -hmm. um, whenever I do work, which is, pretty much all the time I'm a workaholic but I do channel my inner Lou and my inner Claire because yeah. like the calmness they have when it comes to a problem and like the excitement when there's a new challenge and the really down-to-earth way of speaking to people that they both have like they've inspired me to try and be the sort of leaders that they are and that's why I say I'm like a leader in training because I oh, haven't okay. Your final form yet. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so who are yours? Okay, so number one for me is Lovey Ajayi. So uh, she's basically the writer of this book called I'm Judging You, The Do Better Manual. And then she's got another book coming out called The Fear Fighter uh, Manual as well, which is dropping in 2021. But basically, I like her style because she is one of those founder people where she built her business from the ground up. So she's the CEO of her, um, of her business as well. And she, the way that she leads, so she has a podcast um, that she does with Yvonne Orji, who is on Insecure, for those of you who watch that show. So yeah, um, and on there, she basically talked about how she has to lead and be in two minds as to who she is as a person. So she has to like, basically have her like love yourself and then like Beyonce has Sasha Fierce who's like her performance <laughs> alter ego so like Lovey has to have like her version of that so that she can keep things separate and she was just the way she was basically just talking about oh she has to put two different heads on to be so one version of herself which is probably different to the way that you that Lou carries herself for you but <laughs> I feel like the way Lovey did does this is better for me it's like she does a trade-off where uh she does have two versions of herself where when she's in business mode it's a whole different personality and way that she carries herself than when she's just chill being lovey uh and just you know adding memes to her story on instagram and just being generally who she is as a person so i as i think that aligns with who i am more the person where i need to like turn that leadership 
side, not not to return on like that, but like even saw this podcast episode, I was laughing with Maggie uh, about the fact that I have to put my Yolanda podcast uh, yeah. radio presenter voice on because like when I'm just chilling, I'm not uh, that hundred percent giving you all this energy and all these laws <laughs> that I just be giving to y'all like that. Like no, that's not Yolanda regularly. On the regular is like seventy five percent of that. <laughs> Like you, you, you'd still recognize me, but I'm not like you know, coming at it like this hard. So, I, I, I like the way that she can have that dichotomy and so honestly say like, you need to understand that when business lovey tells you to do this, business head lovey has to tell you to do that. Uh, whereas you know, personal lovey you might know as being all happy go lucky, whatever, but she can still step into that when she needs to and then step out of it when she needs a break and needs a rest. She doesn't carry that around with her 24-7. So yeah, love is my number one. Uh, and then for my number two, I probably have to say Shonda Rhimes. So Shonda Rhimes uh, is the um, founder of Shondaland. So if you know all of the shows like How to Get With Murder, Grey's Anatomy, Scandal, all those bad boys like I aspire to her because she also in the same way as lovey they kind of do that stepping into their character ness of stuff so when like you know Shonda at home with her kids or whatever it's completely separate to when she's stepping into that CEO business body you know shoes that she's that she has to uh hold out on house and I like that she says that even as a leader she's sometimes not 100% confident but she has to put that face on and just think things through like what's going to happen with this how's that going to affect that you know what could the outcome be how do I take this team and keep morale and get the vision complete and I like that kind of honesty in both of their leadership styles so those are my two ladies so yeah <laughs> let us know guys in the comments on Instagram. Let me know who are your favorite female leaders as well because I'm quite intrigued because this is so wide that like this could literally go anywhere. <laughs> so I'd, I'd be interested to know. And I think like with inspirations, mm. like you can have people who you've never met who are inspirations, mm. but there are also people who you have met who are inspirations. Mm. So I think that's like, um, also the difference between your inspirations oh, as well, yeah. <laughs> no, I think definitely it, it, it will be very interesting to see the comments. Yeah, I want to know. Let me know, guys. Excited. Yeah, so those of that, like Maggie has said, like, you know, those are two different types of leaders that you can have, you know, people who you aspire to because you've never met them, or you can just pop people on your doorstep who inspire you because you are so close to them and you actually see that prestige in their leadership that we were talking about earlier so yeah i hope you've enjoyed this episode guys we talked about a lot today we dug into the definitions of leadership you know why it's important i gave you those very very troubling statistics let's be honest uh we talked about what it means to be a leader you know what it means to be a female leader we talked about differences between male and female leaders. And we even gave you some great tips about how you can begin to position yourself as a leader, as a woman in the industry as well. And I hope you guys have gotten some nice insight into the work we do with Girls in Charge as well, you know, that nonprofit. Make sure you go 
find Girls in Charge. We'll give you more details at the end of the show so you can go see and then hit us up. Tell us how much you love the concept, how you want to get involved. We're expanding, guys. Now's your time. Now's your time to shine yeah, and be <laughs> involved in everything. So, yeah. So I just want to give massive thanks to my guest, Maggie. I told y'all it was going to be a good episode and I know you're going to love it already, even though I haven't had not a one comment, but this is just high caliber. I just knew it was going to be great. So I'm claiming it from now. I know y'all guys are going to have loved it. So thank you very much to Maggie for being on. So at the end of the show, we always give social media shout outs to let people know where they can find you and all of your amazing companies that they can support. Where are you at? Well, if you find us on Facebook at Girls in Charge Initiative, that would be great. And then you can find us on pretty much all the other social medias as well in the same handle, apart from Twitter, because there were too many characters in that one. So <laughs> Girls in Charge UK for Twitter, but Girls in Charge Initiative everywhere else. Perfect. And then your other businesses, where can they find you there? Uh, so for Shut Up and Dance, it's shutup.dance. That's literally the website. <laughs> and then for Oxize, it's just oxize.co.uk where you can find find out more about what we do brilliant and i think you're forgetting the most intriguing part of all this for them to follow at plato on no i mean that's there too but plato kitty come on Oh my god, yes. So you, can follow, you can follow my cat who is amazing at Kitty Plato uh, on Instagram. There are like absolutely story, amazing storytelling videos on there and cute pics. Um, so yeah, don't follow me, follow my cat. Yeah, and he's also on the board of Girls in Charge, which makes it even better. So you guys gotta follow. He's our uh, head of human resources, yeah. Yes. <laughs> which is tickles me every single time and you guys know as always you can find me at the millennial underscore underscore introvert on instagram and then like i told you i finally got my life together and got that facebook page which is the same it's at millennial introvert lifestyle facebook and then at millennial introvert on pinterest and at millennial introvert on linkedin as well so i've covered all bases only place you can't find me is on twitter because i don't live there i'm sorry one day soon maybe <laughs> and we'll see so yeah thank you guys so much for listening to this episode it has been a blast it's been hilarious i've enjoyed make sure you follow us and give us your comments and feedback as always and this has been the millennial introvert and thank you Chen. signing out bye bye bye